Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics which are going to educate and empower others and give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. Welcome back, everyone. It's a new week. It's a new week. A new week in the school year. You know, if you guys are listening to this right when it drops, it's like the third, maybe fourth week of September. I've kind of lost track. I should look at a calendar, I suppose, but we obviously sometimes pre-record these. So we are trying to get ahead of the game. You know, August came and went. September is, feels mm-hmm. like a dream as well. So hope you guys are hanging in there. And we're just going to kind of get right into it with today's guest, Dr. Michael Held. We got to see a little bit of The Village, which is a new building that has been created for our ID community. And Dr. Held, welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks very much for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be part of your program and to share a little bit with the audience about our, our work and our hopes and our dreams. That's exactly what we want to hear. So can you give our listeners a little bit about your background? Sure. So my professional training is as a clinical psychologist. About 30 years ago, I was part of a group that started an organization in Los Angeles called ETTA, E-T-T-A, which is simply the name of a woman who left us some money to start an organization to help people who have, uh, of course, the terminology keeps changing, but let's just call people who are neurodiverse. And, there you uh, go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And our key focus initially and uh, has been to serve the Jewish community in Los Angeles, but we work with all kinds of folks who come to us for support. And over the years, because 30 years is a long time. So over the mm-hmm. years, we've, we've focused our work uh, to concentrate on adults 18 and older, and we try to provide as many services uh, as we can to enhance a person's life. So we have options that include housing and job support, employment, different activities. But overall, what we believe so strongly in and we've tried to fulfill through our work at ETA is a sense of community, inclusion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the driving force behind that is that's where life occurs. And historically, of course, unfortunately, historically, services were often rendered or only made available away from the community, going back many, many years and decades. So now we live in a different time. We live in a wonderful time when it comes to trying to teach people and elevate a community to understand that each person, and in our case, particularly working with people with IDD, each person has potential, has interests, has activities, and society's role and the community's role is to make it possible to be part of that uh, society and community. So one of the areas we became focused on about 23 years ago is the area of housing, because that's kind of the most daunting, right? I mean, families families do amazing, amazing work with their kids, and the Mm -hmm. schools are there to help the best that they can. And family after family would be, they came to us, you know, back when we were first in our earlier days in the 1990s and early 2000s, and families would say, well, What's next? <laughs> what, right, do we right. do our, what do we do right. when our kids become young adults? And yeah. that was, you know, an overwhelming 
feeling among the families we were in contact with. And, you know, behind that feeling is the sentiment that I think it's universal for all families, but it's more Mm -hmm. poignant for families when they have a child with IDD, which is they worry about the future. What about when I, the parent, not able to... Yeah. So we got into focusing on housing because that's really a more permanent way of showing love and support and community. Um, So we opened group homes, which was the prevalent model 20 years ago and recently. Uh, We put the group homes in neighborhoods. In our case, again, with our focus on Jewish community, we bought houses in Jewish communities so that the residents have easy access to all kinds of activities. Yeah. Um, And it's worked. I mean, the group homes are beautiful. They're both intimate and personal, but also allow for uh, independence of the residents. And they've had an influence on transforming the communities that they're in, because Mm -hmm. the idea of inclusion is that the the neighbors get involved, they invite people over, the synagogues are involved. And that's kind of the goal is to make life real for everybody on both sides of the coin, neurodiverse, neurotypical. Exactly right. Exactly right. And, you know, special education attorneys and you know we see these classrooms and we there are special day classrooms you know and and sometimes we have to stop and say the world doesn't have special education classrooms right yes in the past we were really segregating children and all this but you know what's wonderful about the edda really you know having the foresight even just 30 years ago to leave money to have this kind of building of a sense of community because we are all part of a community, right? Whatever our differences and to be able to have someone like yourself who is, you know, in in your past life was a clinical psychologist, like just even on a team, right? To be sure to understand, okay, what are the needs and how can we you know, solve this problem in a way that everyone benefits. So, I mean, that's incredible that you were able to kind of begin that with that individual donation. And so then you have these homes and, you know, different families are able to have their adult child. And I'm always talking in acronyms and and sometimes people. So when we are saying ID, intellectual disability, and then when we say IDD, intellectual and developmental disabilities, trying to be inclusive of all those. So can you kind of tell us from there, how did the village come about? Yeah, that's quite a story. So, I mean, I think everybody is so cognizant of the unbelievable growth in the number of people, particularly on the autism spectrum in the last couple of decades. Every couple of years, the numbers just jump again. And then what's often been described, and I think it's a a useful term, is kind of a tsunami of young adults on the spectrum, you know, coming into those years when they want independence. And there's no housing set up for such people. There's an absence of housing for people with special needs in general. Mm-hmm. Look, affordable housing is 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 missing everywhere in Los Angeles. So, oh my goodness, I, I just read an article that said the the median price range for like the smallest place in LA was like over a million. It's insane. It's insane. It's insane. So, we've been blessed at Etta to have a, a really committed board of directors, mm-hmm. and they looked ahead at this and kind of uh, we did a little bit of pilot studies, and we mm-hmm. said, you know. There's so many needs for housing, but let's concentrate on one particular model and Mm -hmm. see if we can get it off the ground. And maybe that model will not only serve 
the future residents of that building, but also could be instructive for other communities to coalesce and create uh, similar housing. So about five years ago, we set up a separate nonprofit, like a sister agency, to handle real estate. And we call that Cornerstone Housing. And the first project of Cornerstone Housing is this one that we call The Village, which is right in the Pico Robertson neighborhood of Los Angeles. By the way, so that your listeners know, it's not built yet. (laughs) We we broke ground. We're 25 feet deep because we have to have two levels of underground parking. But here's the vision of it. And it will take two years to complete the building. And also your listeners will be interested to know that we're not accepting applications yet. Uh, It'll be about another uh, six to nine months before we're ready to accept any applicants. So we're expecting to have this building open and operating two years from now in 2025. What it is, though, it's more than a building. This is our vision. Mm -hmm. Our vision is that Mm -hmm. it's in a neighborhood that's very vibrant and active. In fact, Ed has been working in this neighborhood for many years. Vibrant and active means that families are not walking around with a sense of stigma to people who are neurodiverse. They accept mm-hmm. people, they gather together, whether it's in family ways or in the synagogues or schools. And Wonderful. there's a lot of vocational opportunities on Pico Boulevard. And we've had a lot of our clients working in the markets and stores and uh, restaurants around that area. So we view the village, the building, as a nexus between the neighborhood and the mm-hmm. residents. It will be a failure on our part if this building is seen as the building for people with disabilities. It will be exactly. right. Yeah. It'll be a success if everyone in the neighborhood, including the residents who live there, say this is our building. This is part of our yeah. neighborhood. This is part of our community. Mm-hmm. So we have uh, we're anticipating we're building 64 apartments, studio, one bedroom and two bedroom. Most of them are priced at close to market rate. So it is on the expensive side. Unfortunately, we can't make it all affordable housing. We have some low income units planned. But in addition, we the ground floor is retail. We haven't leased it out yet, but we are okay. We will require any tenants <laughs> on the ground floor to employ people with ID. Mm-hmm. And then the second floor is designated. It has a large dining area, the nice kitchen, has also a little coffee bar, but it's really designed to bring the community into the building. Okay. Meaning it could be webinar, there could be seminars, there could be uh, celebrations, there could be parties, mm-hmm. There, mm-hmm. there could be educational activities, arts, and so on and so forth. So we don't want this to be viewed in the community, in that neighborhood as, oh, it's just a place where people with disabilities <laughs> live. Right. And so so uh, the model is, um, we found it in a few other places, we call it a supported independent apartment model. So as opposed to our group homes, which have 24-7 support for the residents, the people who will be appropriate living in this village building are people who don't need overnight support in their apartment. They can handle taking their own meds and hygiene issues and things like that. But where they're going to struggle is socially. And that's where we're prepared to really support, facilitate, and teach so that we can help the residents have successful social interactions, vocational opportunities, or volunteer opportunities. Mm-hmm. You know, I think this is in- such a good alternative. I think we see a lot of families that think, well, I can leave my family home to my child, but then like if they need other support or they need that community, 
it doesn't always seem like a feasible option. So this seems like such a good alternative. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I would say after, you know, 30 plus years in the field, what I see happen often and concerns me greatly is isolation. I mean, I think isolation is terrible for any human being. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Mm -hmm. some people, you know, are maybe more quiet, more reserved, and they, they don't want a lot of busyness and activity, but they have ways to fulfill their lives. Our clients, by and large, need some support to have success in social situations. Otherwise, they do oftentimes become isolated. And in fact, as you kind of alluded to it, even many clients who are regional center clients and live in an apartment, Mm -hmm. oftentimes the only people they're interacting with are their paid staff. Exactly. Right. Right. And that's not normal. So you know, creating a community environment where you can be free to be who you are, if you have trouble with communication, if you have challenges with, uh, you know, reading social situations, if you don't know how to handle certain things, but you want to be around people or have support, Mm -hmm. that's kind of what we're, you know, aiming to create a positive environment where these things will uh, flourish for people. And seeing how this has been modeled, you know, we've seen it on college campuses, but there's still, you know, somewhat of a stigma. And it's not having this kind of broad approach of, look, we know you're capable. But if you do need a little bit of extra help, this is where, you know, the supportive services come in. And so having that kind of lens and just even it like at the forefront, this is going to be in this community. I mean, even just the name, the village, right? (laughs) I think uh, is wonderful. And so then we'll have at the bottom, like retail, how many stories is it going to be? Yeah, so it's a total of six stories, four stories for the residences, 16 per floor. We even have a rooftop about 5,000 square feet where we'll have a place for barbecue and gatherings. Oh, I love that. A really beautiful view. And it's the only thing I know in that whole neighborhood. I mean, you can pretty much see north, south, east, and west. So, you know, I I see it as a place where the residents can gather, where they can invite people from the neighborhood, certainly invite family members, and, you know, feel proud of where they live and feel uh, excited about where they live and hopefully contribute and give back to others through volunteer services or other ways that they choose to. So, yeah, yeah so it's it's a, a lot of intentional thinking went into this. Exactly. So I stress that it's not a, just a piece of real estate or just an apartment mm-hmm. building, right? It's uh, mm-hmm. uh, trying it's to a lot more to it, which is yeah. so, so needed. And hopefully as, you know, it is successful, which we know it will be, we'll get more modeled off of it. And, you know, I mean, there's so many spaces for it. There's such a need, not just in California, but, you know, across the country too. Yeah. It's uh, I keep seeing the numbers and I keep forgetting them, but they're, they're just huge. Yeah, how many right, people right. are looking for housing. And that's the problem. It ends up getting lumped together as quote unquote housing. It mm. should be called who need communities, you know, because every yes. And, and that idea is filtered into the the work that we see in affordable housing for uh, homeless populations, that it's well known that if you just try to bring someone who's homeless into a building without social support, social services, uh, it, it's very likely not going to succeed. You know, there needs to be human contact, human interaction by someone with some knowledge of what that experience is like 
And similarly for our population, and interact with people that understand autism or other mm-hmm. types of intellectual disabilities and can assist them, guide them towards more independence, empowerment, and fulfillment in their life. I don't want to underestimate, because this has been my experience in my career, and my personal experience as a just how enriching my life, mm-hmm. rich my life is, and I've seen it in the neighborhoods that Etta works in, to be interacting with people who have neurodiverse experiences. They teach us. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And I think people forget, and we say this a lot, you know, special education, it's really just how are we tailoring the curriculum to meet the unique needs of this child, right? We're not saying of this disabled child, of this child with autism, this child with ID. And we like, the way that these special education teachers teach, all children could benefit from. <laughs> and so, Absolutely. you know, having, you know, really just normalizing it and, you know, really labels should be for clothes, right? Because we all have different experiences. We all have these special populations, whether, you know, our kiddos are in, we're in the foster care system, whether they, they have two parents, one parent. And I think sometimes people tend to want to label and, and that's where I think the isolation comes from, but they, yeah. you know, we're all I part agree. of the community. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, Edda currently works with 170 adults every day. Oh, wow. Uh, and, you know, I just agree that it's a matter of the size of society and the economics of society. But really, as you were pointing mm-hmm. out, everyone's education is needs to be special. But, mm-hmm. you know, people got lumped into classes of 25 and 35. And then, mm-hmm. you know, then we're working backwards to understand exactly. the individual uh, who has different needs. So that's why I say, in a way, we're fortunate to be living at a time when there's so much more awareness. And in California in particular, where there's financial support through regional center for a lot of services, we can hopefully keep teaching communities. This is the right way to embrace people. Everybody matters right. and everybody has a strength and everybody has something to give. That's what we're aiming for. And sky's the limit. This is the first building and hopefully there'll be lots of others and, you know, just the need to keep pushing in in society to have these opportunities. Oh yeah. I mean, I think there will be more and we're delighted that you took the time to come on and and explain the project. And if anybody has any questions or kind of wanted to reach out to learn more, where can they go to get that information or who can they contact? Well, I would encourage them to contact us via email. And the best address for that is info, I-N-F-O, at thecornerstonevillage.org. One word, thecornerstonevillage.org. And then we'll we'll reply and we can take things from there. Uh, If they're looking for direct services for an adult at the present time, Mm -hmm. uh, we can offer options through ETA. And if they're looking longer term to try to figure out uh, housing options, then we'll be prepared to try to assist them through the Cornerstone website. Marvelous, marvelous. Thank you so much, Dr. Hill, for coming on and really shining a light on this wonderful project that we will be excited to visit in a couple of years. Okay. <laughs> to check Terrific. that rooftop right. lounge area. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> listeners, okay. we hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Thank you so much, Dr. Held, and uh, we'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye.